Hello and welcome to What Is Your Working Class, the podcast dedicated to exploring the rich variety that exists in working class identities. Today I'm talking to artist and painter Connor Murgatroyd. And just to remind you that in order to stay up to date on all new episodes, make sure to follow us on Twitter at What Is Your Work One and on your chosen podcast provider. Thank you very much for listening and hope you enjoy the episode. Hey Connor, how's it going? How's it going? You all right? Hi, very good. How you doing? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. I'm all yeah. right. Uh, whereabouts you at at the moment? I'm in Reading at the moment because I'm at um, I'm at my uh, my missus uh, mum's my mother-in-law's house because her, her dad just died. But they're I'm from s- they're from Bosnia, so she's have to she's going over on Monday, and I'm going back to London today. Oh, I'm sorry to hear about that about your partners. Uh, he's, it, I'd like to actually make a talk, just say something about him. He was amazing. He's called Miriam, and he was a a doctor in the siege of Sarajevo, and he was an amazing man, and he saved loads of children's lives, and more people need to know about the siege of Sarajevo and all the humanitarian work all doctors did. So that's I'll just mention that about him before we yeah, start. Yeah, definitely. He sounds like an amazing man. He was an amazing man, and it, yeah, he was, yeah, just, you don't, you don't really come across people like that much, but like when awful things happen, there's always good people that stand out, isn't there? Mm, always. So, you find that whenever there's a crisis, there always will be individuals who sort of take the lead and make sure yeah, everyone's okay. Up, yeah, definitely. Uh, I suppose the best way to start this is, what is your working class background? Um. Well, I've got a very normal upbringing. Like I, I'm from from Keithley, which is on outskirts of Bradford. But throughout growing up, ever since I was a child, I grew up on outskirts Keithley, which is a place called Riddlesden. And then I and then from from the age of say nine, I moved all over Bradford. So I've lived everywhere. I lived in Bingley. I lived in Keithley. I lived in Cross Flats, Harden. I went to school in. Cullingworth, a school called Parkside Estate School. Um, and yeah, just typical, like, I'm not from inner cities. Like, it's a common misconception about me. I'm, Keithley's, like, on outskirts of Bradford. It's a very white area in, in parts. It's not as um, multicultural as the centre of Bradford. And um, I grew up on them, in them areas, so I'm a little bit of a country bumpkin in a way. You describe it as normal. Do you think, looking back on it, mm. do you see sort of the working classness of it or do you still just sort of see it as what everybody in that area was living with? I think it's like what everyone were living with, yeah. I mean, it is that, but, could, you know, my mum and dad, they're both... My mum's from a massive Irish family. You know, my grandma had like like six kids, and they are they all live in Keith. And my daddy's an only child, and he's from a place called Cross Flats. And they grew up with very humble beginnings. And you know, when 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 I was born, we didn't really have much. And then, as my dad got as I, as I got old, my dad did a bit well with business. And then, and then it all went tits up when I was about six. So it was it, we went through many different stages of our. Of, our, of my upbringing, really. But there was definitely this cultural aspect, that, you know, this social cultural aspect that's still there, you know. And 
even to these days when I go see my mum, like it's very much of a thing. You know, it's like it's almost like going back in time when you go up north. Because when I live, you know, I live in London, so it's very different. But it, it's normal in terms of yeah, like what you say with other people. Did you always have this idea that you were, or when did maybe it's better to say when did you come to realize that? You were working class and you got that distinction between what was your normality and then realising that it was working class. Probably when I went to um probably when I went to Leeds College of Art. Like that that I, I was gonna say when I went to uni, but I think it was when I went to Leeds College of Art, things are very different between people you know that different students and that and that sort of puts it into perspective because I've always just been surrounded by similar people really um one 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 thing I'd like you know I've 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 thing about class and like the thing about politics with class I've never tried to make that much of a one thing I've always tried to stay away from with my painting especially is to pigeonhole myself and yeah, it's 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 correct to like make it, to make that assumption that, or not assumption, but notice that you are what you are. But I've never really wanted to define myself by that. So I I've always sort of like put it to the back of my head, really, even when I were at Leeds College of Art. And characteristics of myself and like my brother and that, I don't know, I probably was a bit acted a bit rough maybe at college or you know a bit aggressive or something I don't know it's just some silly things like that but that might just be like I don't know that could be down to other things that's know, interesting because I've been talking to other people and some people are really tuned into the fact that they were working they are I should say working class yeah, and I others say people... oh it's just a part of you it's not important in many ways people like to People like to ramp it up and people like to claim it when they don't have it and people love to use it because these days it's if you if in a way if 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 you are a victim it's much more easier to get a lot of leeway in certain situations so it's quite an easy thing to latch on to but like I said I'm really I I, I want to I don't want it to define me I'm very conscious of it and I'm very thankful because I'd like to think I'm quite a down to earth guy and I've, you know, I've based my politics off where I've come from and I've based a lot of like different ideas of where I've come from as well. But yeah, like I said, I, I wouldn't want to make it just my sole basis thing. Like I, I, I really, I would never say I'm a working class artist. I'd be like, I'm an artist and I'm Connor, Connor Murgatroyd from Bradford and I'm a painter, do you know? Completely. What got you into painting in the first place? Um, I was when I were at Leeds College of Art. I, I always knew I were like really good at, well, good at drawing, and I, I was always a bit of a daydreamer and like quite creative thinking. Even when I were doing anything, any manual sort of work or like anything, I, I was always like thinking in my own head. And when I went to Leeds College of Art, I, at Leeds College of Art, I had a tutor called Duncan Mosley. Was from I think he were from Wakefield. And he, he were like this weird, like, moddy, like, ex-football casual sort of bloke who took a real liking to me. And I, 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 he sort of just, like, I was just like, I don't know. I think he sort of could see that I had, like, a, a talent and eye for it. 
and I, and I would I were like into my skinhead stuff and I used to wear like big boots and shaved head and that. And I worked in a garden centre, you know, base in, in Cross Flats in Bradford. And um, I think he liked this because I used to work in garden centre and working with all flowers and that. And he were like, what are you going to paint then? Because it's that, that start, start of your early career when you sort of think you've got to like think about what, is relevant in your life and then make work about that and that's what he taught me and I started painting still life paintings but very abstract ones whilst I was into all this sort of stuff so I sort of I think him and the other tutors sort of saw that and was like well that's they thought it were interesting and a bit of a character and I, I sort of just carried it on from there really and ever since then I've I've always sort of known it's like what I need to, that's what I would put on earth to do to make paintings and I listen to different psychologists now and like my favourite ones on YouTube and that and the way that they talk about growing up as a young man and what you need to do and there's one other day that come out and is what do you need to do when you're young 20s and it's it says you've got to run with this idea that you're good at summer and that the world would be a lesser place without it and sort of really make an importance of that on your life and build your foundations around that and that's what I've that's what I'm going to do because I'm 25, so that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my 20s and just really try and um, flourish my ideas. Because I'd like to think that a lot of people get a bit of happiness from them. And, and you, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, Oh, completely. Uh, I mean, yeah. I sort of, I was sort of of that mindset that I'm always going to write music because yeah. it was just always a part of me. And the oh. thought that I wouldn't write music to me is just like inconceivable. Exactly. And it's such a big part of almost who I am is like, yeah. I have this sense of, oh, I'm Aiden and I'm a composer. Yeah, it's in your DNA, isn't it? It's your character. It's, and it, it's, it's also another psychological thing where it's like, and it even goes back to um, our makeup as human beings and our nature as, you know, I, do, I wouldn't like to think it defines you completely, but it definitely does. I think if you're more emotional and you're more like driven by compassion and things like that, you're more likely to be creative, you know? And there's a lot of things that you could say the same with politics and that, you know, but that, yeah. I think it is that whole, how you find that sense of direction, as you were saying, of, like you have a sense of, okay, this is the thing that I should be doing and finding a purpose, I suppose. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely finding a purpose because you're only here for one life and, you know, life's short. And if you don't take opportunities and you're just dossing, then I don't really have much respect for that. Even if you want to be a scaffolder and you want to be artist working, that's, that's what life's all about. You know, or you want to be a painter and decorator and be the shit up painter and decorator, do it. Like, don't doss about. I got no, I don't have respect for that. I don't think a lot of people, where I come from, people don't, you know. My dad, I think that's one thing about my dad that when he brought me up, one positive thing is a, he gave me a really good work ethic. Completely. Uh, going to look at your paintings, there is such a, sense of joy when you look at them and there's a particular strand that goes through it which is almost these um like your granny's uh antique ornament chests you know it's sort of like it's locked away you don't touch them you just look at them yeah 
And there's a number of pieces that have that. There's one that I really love, which is of the pit bull. And there's oh, yeah. like a pugilist on a vase and stuff. How did uh, you come to create those? And what sort of significance do those sort of things have to you that you keep on coming back to them? Well, the significance comes from me having a respect for my heritage and tradition in a way. I lived with my nana for a while when I was growing up and she made a lot like, a massive impression on me and like her, the, her taste in antiques was very this old like English porcelain Staffordshire sort of traditional almost sort of late 1970s early 80s sort of vibe but it pains me when people just think see that as like a niche and it's like a oh it's clique it's cliche and it's clique and I really upset me that because I really took a liking from, and I, I don't know, I, I've always loved that from her. So me painting little aspects of that, I'm interjecting them into my pieces, like that it's almost like a homage to her and a homage that this style and this way of life is not going to like just get thrown in. I always use this analogy, like when my nana died and I were living in London at the time when she died, which I always regret. And then, my dad cleared out the house and put all her shit in the skip. And then I saw the skip and it was just like ingrained in my memory. It'll just always be ingrained in the back of my head as this like really painful thing. And it's like something that I think this will uh, help me make work now for the rest of my life. That painting with the pit bull, it's actually a cane corso. It's um, an Italian mountain dog, mastiff. It's one of my favourite breeds. My mum's actually just got one because um, our dog died, but she, it's another story. And that composition with the the boiled egg and the the Chucky soldiers is actually taken from a royal a royal memorabilia magazine, and that also stems from my nana. She was very patriotic and um, very into royals, and I was into royals when I lived with her. But then, obviously, my Thoughts changed on them, um, not for the stereotypical reasons. Oh, they've got too much money and all that sort of rubbish. It's I, I just don't really see this um, connection anymore these days. Um, and I feel like the only connection is the Queen, and I, I'll be quite, but I will be quite sad when she dies because it'll uh, it'll mark an end of an era. But that's not to go to say that the royal family ain't got their flaws because we all know that there's a nonce living in there, and I I really resent that and it makes me angry but going back to that is it's just the fact that yeah I think I'd like to carry on these things for my nana really and I'd also like to I think my paintings are quite I would like to say they're like quite modest um not modest maybe down I'm not a grand ocean I'm not like it's not in your face and it's not like making everything about class or politics so I think that that's a nice touch and a nice gesture to my nana's sort of taste and all that sort of stuff. Cause I would never want her to think that I only liked it because it was like a cliche or it was like funny. I, I just generally found a lot of comfort in that style of interior and antiques. Like I've got a massive antiques collection at home. Like I used to collect, but I stopped now, but yeah, I've got like, you know, <laughs> Prussian clocks, 18th century Prussian clocks and a massive cabinet with antique Chinese vases and just loads of shit like that. <laughs> it's a bit, I'm a bit, yeah, I'm eccentric, I always have been, but yeah. Uh, so one of the things I noticed was 
if you look at your more recent works of these sort of I don't know how would you even describe these sort of pieces where it's almost like your nan's uh, antique collection how is it just the collection or no so so I haven't actually done a painting of her collection um I've only just done paintings of parts of her collection that got given down to me so the Staffordshire dogs is a main example when she passed away I took loads of her stuff and then I've still got it and I made work years later maybe five years later maybe 2019 I started making work oh no it wasn't actually maybe 2017 I started making bits and bobs and then 2019 I sort of realized the importance of it and I would put little pieces in the paintings rather than making it about just her and her like life it it's sort of just like a homage to have that in the composition like I've done one painting of me which is a Magritte a Magritte painting that I'd done in but a version because what Magritte is one of my favorites he used to do <clears throat> he used to do almost like art covers of uh, Manet he did a, a, a is it a man I was getting mixed up Manet and Monet Manet painting of the girls on the balcony and then put them in coffins and he used to do that with a lot of different old masters do copies and with his say that sort of his take on it and then that's what I've done with a few of his paintings and a lot of other artists as well because I think it's quite important to reference past artists with a contemporary element of it not ripping them off completely obviously that's just stupid but you know are there any artists that you look to as being a big influence on how you approach creating? Well, yeah, uh, Magritte. In fact, it's, 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 I've got I've actually got a list of, of the, the same. The question you just asked me, I've got a list of people. So uh, Magritte, Giorgio de Curico, 100%, because he was one of, you know, the, the first surrealist without even being a surrealist. Fantin Latour, Henri Fantin Latour was a, a French impressionist. Well, wasn't, wasn't as loosely connected to them who made really beautiful still lifes. Uh, Renoir, Manet, Degas, Velasquez, all very important artistry for me. Very, very important. Hockney, obviously, he's from Bradford and, you know, his work is very honest. Francis Bacon, mainly because of colour and composition, not really subject matter. And I really like his frames. And uh, 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 quite an obscure one, uh, Juan Gris. I think he was Spanish, but his te- I seen one of his paintings in the Pompidou went in like 2016 when I wasn't really painting. And that's always uh, been ingrained in my head. He, he, his technical, technical abilities, absolutely amazing. It's like almost as just... Just, just on par as Picasso, really. But yeah, so I, 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 old masters and previous painters over the past, you know, even going back to Renaissance paintings, Renaissance paintings for me, my favourite wing in the National Gallery is the Sainsbury's wing. It's my most fit. It's just full of like most amazing paintings you'll ever see in your life. And the technical skill on them is fantastic. It's all very flat. I don't like, I, I really don't like paintings with lots of texture, like lumpy paintings. I think that's because I was a painter and decorator for like fucking six years and I'm, I'm obsessed with a flat finish. <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, 
what is it that idea of craft that you love in these paintings and it's almost you enjoy the craft or graft of these paintings and you want to sort of emulate it it is it is the craft it is the craft but it's not just the craft it's also like the the subject matter for a lot of them so decorico is a great example example um of his subject matter it almost just sort of came out of nowhere in the 20s or 1914 i think his first biggest painting and it just sort of come out of nowhere and it was even bef- it was a precursor to the surrealist movement, and it's sort of them people like that, uh, Giorgio de Carico, who sort of have like a revolutionary thinking and sort of like really trailblazing and ballsy sort of thing. I sort of latch on to. Yeah, and it's it's the same thing with Magritte as well. I, I'm not the biggest fan of Magritte's like most famous his work. It's, that's not the thing that does it for me. It's some of his like earlier pieces like his 1930s paintings that I don't know there's like you say there is the the craftsmanship is very traditional but also I think it's that that's one of the nice things about Magritte the craft it's very technically sane and sober but the ideas are not um that's one thing I like about him you talked about honesty and talking about you, you felt there was an honesty I can't remember which artist it was but uh and I get that from the way that you paint. There's never any sense of you're over amplifying or oversaturating the color. It's very, it's colorful, but it's reserved in how the color is used. So it, you get the life of it, of these like ob- effectual objects of your nans and other things. But it's never to that point where you go, oh, well, this is over the top. Yeah, did you? you? I'd say that was a massive compliment, like a massive compliment. So thank you. Not at all. It's really nice that because I, I know I've said it twice, but like, yeah, it's um, I would I, one thing I hate is being tacky, and one thing I hate is like cringe and like trying to be something you're not, and that sort of stuff really sort of sort of keeps me on a straight and narrow path of my sort of practice. And even though, like you say, on, rightly so, that the, the you know they're quite um, exactly what you just said. Uh, there's a lot of like um, made up stuff in the paintings, and like composition is often uh, completely fabricated, even though it exists in the real world. But in the actual image, say for my shop front paintings, the the composition isn't right, and it, I think that comes from looking at um, Renaissance works and that's where that sort of idea comes from how do you come to decide what to fictionalize in the compositions um whatever's easiest really because <laughs> i mean i went to leeds college of art and i really it was amazing and it was the best education i've ever had and uh, I, my tutors were amazing but i didn't really listen that much because i'm a bit of a bit of a wally like that and i should have really listened a bit more because but then again, that's what makes my paintings my paintings. The fact that I can't, I'm not 100% trained on perspective and colour and shading and all these different techniques, but I'm getting better gradually throughout my practice and doing and painting by painting. And I think that's what's making them more stronger by the painting, I'd like to think. Uh, but yeah, um, it's. I think it's just about, yeah, whatever's easiest really. And whatever looks, whatever looks good, you know. 
because sometimes real life's confusing, isn't it? And you've got to simplify things. Um, I can't remember what were I talk. I was talking to um, I think I talked to my missus last night about Jamie Oliver, and I've always hated him. My favorite chef's Marco Pierre White. Oh, he's my one of my main, with you. He's my <laughs> main role model with Chris Eubank. A bit weird, but them two are my main. But I was watching Jamie Oliver last night, and I was just thinking like. He's got this mass appeal because he's just simple and he's just got it really toned down. And I thought, and there's little things like that. I always think and I always take it to my studio every day when I try to think about these new different things and I try and change it up. And yeah, I think that's one thing that's a yeah a good thing. Simple, simple paintings. Maybe not even simple, just direct. Direct, yeah. Yeah, getting to the point of it. Yeah, I don't mean simple in terms of like, Simple, like thick. I mean, just a very like sort of, you know, it's not complicated. It's oh not, no, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. not convoluted. Like you're trying to stuff yeah. so many things into it. Um, in talking about your use of color, and even earlier on, you were talking about not wanting to make it be these paint your paintings to be like a a bold statement mm. about working class identity in dealing with sort of these antique objects that can be read as being working class Mm. that you have a real struggle in trying to make sure that they are seen as the objects themselves without this uh hidden meaning and how do you go about achieving Mm. that balance or focus i think that's really it in it at end of day achieving that balance because it's it's all about what subject matter you use and a lot of the paintings that i was telling you about with like using aspects of my nana's life and her antiques they were all very personal paintings that were making maybe about a year ago and my one thing um i've always tried to keep with my painting practice is to keep it keep it moving and i never i really don't think a static practice is good and like a static ideas where nothing changes so i'm always trying to um not try different things um uh, but uh, paint different things and like paint different aspects of life and people and you know like I'm I've I've done a lot of um, commissions recently and of a, a say stereotypical middle class families and I really like that uh, uh, of of them in their homes and 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 after I finished these paintings I thought I'm really happy with these because it just goes to show that I'm not just focusing on one aspect of this country and that's one thing I didn't it's nice that write up about me maybe about a year ago Conor Murgatroyd makes work about all these different things like I, I don't know I, I, w- I would never really want to be pigeonholed do you know I, I'd want to make work about everything that happens in this country but also not this country I've made a lot of work about where my missus her, my, my, my missus family's from ex-Yugoslavia and like um, the Balkans and, 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 and how we've got connections Similar similarities in society going on there and like, you know, so I think it's important to do things like that, to, to, to keep it moving. Yeah, I always get, when I look at your work, there's never any a sense of, okay, you're settling into something. I think yeah, there's, yeah. I think there's a, a an ease and comfort in going, okay, I can do this sort of work now. I'm going to really lean into yeah, just sort of doing the same thing, but no, you really get that agency of 
you're pushing yourself in every work yeah. and there's always something slightly different that yeah. is really exciting yeah definitely thank you that's another nice compliment because um, it, it, it um that, that that's best way of putting it really um it's always moving on so at the moment i'm doing uh, these shop front paintings because I've got a, a, an online exhibition that's going to be released uh, starting next next month called uh, Windows and it's about uh, it's it's all my shop front paintings. But before that, I was on still lifes for a while. I did a lot of still lifes. Then before that, I was um, yeah. You can see it if you go on my Instagram. You can see the different progressions. You know, um, but yeah. Uh, just to say, where can people find your work? Like, um, what's your Instagram handle and website? And my everything? Instagram handle's at Connor Murgatroyd. So C O N O R M U R G A T R O Y D. And then my website is connormurgatroyd.com. But yeah, my, Instagram's probably uh, where it all gets uploaded first, or, or bits and bobs do. What got you painting shop front windows in the first place? Um, luckily it happened f- f- uh, by chance because, um, I was, I'm, I've, I've been meaning to do, I'm having a solo show in a month in, in real life after the online one, um, a, a florist in Peckham called Sage, which is an amazing florist, which is like very sort of like breaking boundaries with like f- uh, florists. It's very, very arty and very sort of like beautiful inside. It's not very, it's not very traditional. And, um, I was meant to do it last March. And for that show, I painted the front and the outside of the shop with an old lady looking in and the old lady looking out from the inside. And ever since then, I've just, it just, it just worked as like a medium. So I've done it with loads of different, but, and the shop fronts are, uh, is a continuation from that, but of all shops that I love and I use in Peckham and South East London. So I've got the pie and mash shop Manzies, which is like, a traditional English cuisine that pie and mash and liquor that I eat weekly that I love and I think it's like part of our London culture. Uh, Sopers, the fishmongers, uh, the bakery and nunhead, the fish uh, and the butchers, the greengrocers, and then I've got some new pieces for the show. So that's how I come to the. That's how it, they come. So very nothing's nothing's forced like, and then I'm planning hopefully for a solo show in September somewhere in Soho. So we'll see how that comes out, but I'm not sure what, that, what the paintings will be in that yet. All right, fingers crossed it all happens. Yeah. Because it would be great to see your work in real life. Yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. Uh, there was something you touched on earlier, which was about identity yeah. and wanting to make sure that you don't fall into this routine of just being seen as a working class artist. Yeah. How possible do you think it is for you to control how you are perceived? Because I think some people will look at your work and go, oh, that is so staunchly working class and will have an idea about you. And I wonder, does that bother you or is it? Not really, because it's just one of them things, isn't it? Like you can't, there's only a certain amount of things you can do. We, 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 I can do with my paintings. Like I can make them how I want, and I can spend hours and hours and hours analyzing them to try and not make them this and that, and then try and make them like this. 
but I'm never. Some people are going to always say like that, are they? Especially if you talk and you got an accent and you and you 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 know like me, I wear tracksuits or whatever and fucking dress like that. Like most people are going to have that prism. Like I can't really get away from that. But that's just the way life is. Um, and I'll just carry on making it. As, as, as long as I can make paintings that I think are honest and tell an honest story and come from an honest place, then I'm happy. Um, you can perceive them how you want to. Like, and, and, and people can hate them or people can like them. Um, people can hate me. Or <laughs> I'm not, I've, I couldn't give a shit. Like, um, there's too many people trying to make everybody like them, and but that's just not how the way life works, is it? Completely. I mean, it was so well said. Connor, thank you so much. This has been really interesting, and it's been great talking to you about your work. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It's been really great to talk to you. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you again so much for being on this. No worries. Yeah, cheers. And that's the episode. I would love to thank Conor Murgatroyd for coming and talking to me about his work. And thank you for listening to this episode of What Is Your Working Class. Just to remind you to follow us on Twitter at What Is Your Work One in order to stay up to date on all new episodes and on your chosen podcast provider. Thank you very much and hopefully hear from me soon.